Well, thank you, David, and uh, hello, it's good to see you all. It's been a few months since uh, we've been together. As David said, I was uh, serving as the uh, uh, lead pastor here for three months while he was on sabbatical, so I'm glad to be back. And several of you have asked what we're doing these days, days and um, starting in January, I'll be helping out a church called The Bridge in Gilbert, uh, their pastor, a good friend of uh, David's and mine, Kent Bertrand, is becoming a marriage and family counselor, leaving the pastoral ministry, but doing that ministry instead. So I'll be the transition pastor there um, uh, starting in January. And David and I were both instrumental, and in, we planted that church in 2007 from Hope. So it's kind of a daughter church, and we're very excited to uh, be part of that now in the coming, uh, coming days. So, so Merry Christmas. It's good to see you all. How many of you got your uh, Christmas shopping all done? Yeah, six of you. Great. Yeah. I, uh, I generally, I've done pretty well this year, but generally I find myself on Christmas Eve day trolling at the malls trying to find something for my beautiful bride. But uh, this year I'm ahead of the curve, so I'm all good. But we at uh, Grace Community Church, we desire to be a, a, a kind of a, a church that meets all your needs. So I want to give you some, uh, those of you who haven't done your, finished your Christmas shopping, some last-minute Christmas shopping ideas, okay? That'll be helpful to you. And you can get these on Amazon, right? So that's real easy. They can just deliver it right to your house. So here's some ideas. Here's the first one. Let me show you this. Uh, this is uh, a My Friend Jesus Stuffed Doll. 13 inches, $14.95. By the way, if some of you are kind of wondering whether you should laugh or not, yes, you should. I'm making fun of these, okay? <laughs> I'm not trying to get you to actually buy these. Well, look at the next one. The next one is Plush Jesus. <laughs> Notice the uh, orange beard. That's pretty cool. Uh, I don't know how many uh, Israelites, never mind. Uh, $6.19 Plush Jesus. And the next one's my favorite, Dancing with Jesus. <laughs> Right? I mean, you've watched Dancing with the Star. This is Dancing with the Star, not just any star, right? So Dancing with Jesus, that's only $9.48. And then the last one, if you want to go big, is the Jesus Sees Us doll figurine, $32.95. Okay, now these are last-minute gifts you can purchase online. Crazy? I absolutely agree. But Pastor David has been sharing with you God's crazy idea about pursuing you and me with his unconquerable love. Pursuing you and I, no matter where we go, no matter where we are, no matter how far we run away from him, pursuing us with his love. Now, in the Garden of Eden, he provided this perfect place. It was awesome, but Adam and Eve still ran away from God. And then later we saw that... Um, uh, God had this design by putting the law in place, the law to help us, the Ten Commandments and other of the Mosaic laws. Uh, and this was to help us kind of keep on the straight and narrow. But again, we managed to fail in that. In fact, the Bible says that um, in Galatians chapter 3, that the law was a schoolmaster or a school teacher. It's like a, a mentor. And a schoolmaster points you to the truth. And the truth that the law points us to is two things. One, we can't keep it. <laughs> and two, there is one who did keep it, and that's Jesus Christ, and it points us to him. So, but even with the law, we managed to mess that up by not 
even knowing how to obey the law. We'd obey six of them and leave the other four. We just were not very good at that. And then God's heart was seen in even the prophets. And he, Pastor David talked about that last week and talked about Hosea. And now Hosea, anybody that has a wife by the name of Gomer is in trouble already. But Hosea was this guy that showed remarkable love for a, a wife that was uh, unfaithful. And it's a picture of how remarkable God's love is for us, no matter how unfaithful we are. This love that he has for us is so big, so enormous. God's saying, what can I do to show them my ultimate love? And so he came up with a new idea. Actually, it was an idea before the foundation of the world. That new idea was the incarnation. The incarnation. God says, okay, now, if I can't reach you from up here, I'm going to come down and reach you from down there. I'm going to become part of you. I'm going to be one of you. And ultimately, I'm going to be in you. The incarnation is one of those amazing miracles that the world has ever known. See, for thousands of years, God kind of uh, uh, approached man from up there, right? When the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve were walking and they had sinned, uh, God said to them, what have you done? And of course, he knew what they had done, but he wanted them to answer, and they were hiding from God. And the Israelites followed this God from up there, right? A pillar of uh, a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. God was up there. He was with them, but he was up there. And, and then in the Ten Commandments, God appeared in a fiery bush. Again, he appeared to them. And, and then God appeared to Jacob, and he wrestled with Jacob, and he appeared to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And the Bible says that there was a fourth in that furnace that looked like the Son of God. God was with them. So God has always been trying to find ways to get with us, be with us from there to here. But then the incarnation came along and everything changed. So we read, we're going to read in just a moment, uh, a few verses in John chapter 1, one of the greatest chapters in all of the Bible. And there it describes this idea, the word logos in the Greek, which is referring to Jesus. The word logos means God's idea. God's idea. You might even say God's crazy idea. God's idea to somehow redeem us. And he's going to do that by being not only with us, but in us. The incarnation. So let's read that uh, text, uh, John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. This is just such a powerful passage of scripture. Listen to this idea of how God is going to continue to pursue his creation, pursue you and I until we finally get it right. In the beginning, the word already existed. Jesus already existed for the foundation world. He's part of the triune God, right? The word was with God, and the word was God. Logos was God. Jesus was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. In verse 6, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell the light, uh, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. That's the Logos. That's Jesus, once again. 
He came into the very world he created. Think, think about that. But the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. Now, but listen to this. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. That's what this incarnation, this idea that God had to pursue us with his love was this idea of actually coming to this planet as a man through a baby to show us the kind of love he had, a birth that comes from God. Do you see what God's idea was for us? Not to just always call down from above, but to come and be with us. And here, more importantly, is this truth. Not just to come and be with us, but to come and be in us. Now, that's a miracle. This Christmas miracle is found in a very unusual place. In fact, it's found in a a 14-year-old girl by the name of Mary. Now, some of you who have been raised in the Catholic tradition, and we, I find in um, evangelical churches, many uh, former Catholics are in these uh, types of churches. And some of you from the Catholic tradition might be very comfortable with the words, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Luke 1.28. You've been raised with those words. You know how precious those words are to you. For many Catholics, this is part of their liturgy, and these words are familiar to them and precious to them. But if you're like me, raised in a Protestant tradition, you might be a little uncomfortable or nervous about these words. In the Protestant tradition, we have really downplayed the role of Mary because of the perceived excesses of deifying Mary. And that's a problem, I recognize that. Making her on the same spiritual plane as Jesus, which she wasn't. So today, let's try and erase our traditions and come to the text we're going to read in a few moments from Luke 1 with fresh eyes and fresh hearts. I want to introduce a concept to you today that will be both surprising and I believe profound. And I simply want to call it the Mary Miracle. Listen to these words in Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Can you imagine that? Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will, call, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but now she's in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. 
may everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. So this idea that God had, this idea of incarnation, was expressed in Mary. This is the way it looked in Mary. We just read this in the text. But the Spirit of God will come alive in Mary's womb. And the Spirit of God who comes alive in Mary's womb will grow and literally change her, change the shape of her, and will mark her. And the Spirit of God that comes alive in Mary and that grows in Mary shall come forth from Mary. And the Spirit of God that comes alive in Mary and grows in Mary and comes forth from Mary will change the world around her. That's the Mary miracle. That's the miracle that we see in Christ coming into Mary as well as into us. And what makes this miracle truly a miracle is that it didn't just happen 2,000 years ago in Mary's womb. This miracle has happened over and over and over again, and it continues to happen today. What do you mean, Pastor Dwayne? That sounds weird. Let me tell you what that means. That the Spirit of God has come alive in me by faith. And the Spirit of God that has come alive in me by faith grows in me. And the Spirit of God that has come alive in me by faith and grows in me will literally come forth from me as I do good works and bless others. And the Spirit of God that comes alive in me and grows in me and comes forth from me will change the world around me. What makes this, mir this merry miracle a miracle is that it happens to you and to me today. It's not just something that happened 2,000 years ago. It is happening in those who follow Jesus every single day. This is heady stuff. Mary was the prototype, the first fruit that Christ came alive in her. And I want to say this with reverence and humility. This has happened to me, and it can happen to you as well. So this is the point of my sermon today, and really the passion of my heart. And this is what I want to say to each and every one of you here this morning, and it's this. Have a Merry Christmas, right? Have a Merry Christmas. Have a Christ being born in you Christmas. Have a Christ who is born in you come alive in you and grow in you Christmas. Have a Christ that is born in you and comes alive in you and grows in you come forth from you Christmas. And have a Christmas where Christ comes alive in you and grows in you and comes forth from you and literally changes the world around you. Have a merry Christmas. This is amazing to me. The passion of my heart is that Christ becomes in you, not just from up above, not in a cloud, of, not in a, a, a cloud or a pillar of fire, not just in a, fur, a furnace or somewhere else, but that he is in you, in your life forever. In 1 Peter 1.23, we read these words. For you have been born again, we know that phrase, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, seed that never goes away, Right? through the living and enduring word of God. Now that word for seed in 1 Peter, is, and I don't want to be indelicate here, but the word is spermata. And that same word is used, and Paul uses in Colossians 1.27, when he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The seed of God in you, the hope of glory. That is the merry miracle. Paul says, this is a mystery, 
and it's been kept hidden, but now it's made known to you in Jesus Christ. So brothers and sisters at Grace Community Church, hear the word of God and the truth of this message. Have a Merry Christmas, right? A Christ alive in you, a Christ growing in you, a Christ coming forth from you, a Christ changing the world around you, Christmas. Now, with this concept in mind, I want to remind you of three things that we read in the Luke passage. Three things that are part of this miracle, merry miracle. The first one is this. God's grace is within us. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. That word favored is charis. It means grace. You who are highly graced, the Lord is with you. This word means that Mary was graced. She was favored. She was Love The word grace, well, let's just do a little bit of teaching, just real quickly about grace, because it's really important. So we all know about justice, we all know about mercy, we all know about grace. Let me tell you how these things work with each other. Justice is getting something you deserve. You're going to jail. Mercy is not getting something you deserve. You deserve to go to jail, but you're not going, that's mercy. Grace is is that it's, not, it's, it's wiped from your record and you're given a new car as well. That's grace. Now, I want you to all experience justice, but I want grace for me. And you're the same way. You're the same way. Grace is something that God gives and God alone gives because it's nothing that we can do to merit it. It's great, God's riches at Christ's expense. Mary, you are graced to carry the Son of God you have not earned the right. You are not even worthy. But God, out of his grace and mercy, has chosen you. And he has chosen you. Each and every one of you, God says, my grace is given to you. When you experience Christ in your life by faith, when you say he is born in me and he grows in me and he comes forth from me and he changes the world around me. As with Mary, there is nothing you and I can do but simply say, Lord, thank you. I have been graced. God says, I pick you, I choose you, I love you. You I will live in. Some of you have come to believe that um, your happiness or contentment or joy comes from stuff, accumulations, accomplishments, accolades. What, that, that somehow, some way, you can make a difference and God will notice you. The Bible says that that's not true. The Bible says that God loves you and marks you as his son or daughter, not because of something you've done, but because you have believed. The Bible doesn't say, behave on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. It says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. The Mary miracle says that it's not what you do. After all, she was what? A lonely a lowly handmaiden, a 14-year-old girl. There was nothing great about her, but God simply graced her, and he graces you. You are blessed, you are favored, you are graced, and God has chosen you for Jesus to live in you. Isn't that amazing? I mean, do you feel that? Do you sense that? Do you realize that? What a blessing that is for you. The love of God is simply unimaginable. And Paul said, may Christ dwell in your hearts through faith. Not from up there, but from in here. I hope that we hear what God is saying about this beautiful gift of grace. The, miracle, the merry miracle means that 
grace is within us and that God's grace grows in us and that God's grace comes forth from us and blesses others and that God's grace changes the world around us. We've seen that happen time and time again. The next truth of the Mary miracle is this, that God's eyes are upon us. Now remember that Jesus sees us doll? Maybe that doll's not so bad. <laughs> A reminder that God sees us, that he knows us. Now, this is a wonderful truth, and we find it right in the middle of the text. So in the text, the angel Gabriel is dispatched by God to send a message to this girl. That's what angels do. They're messengers, okay? They're not, you know, furry white things that, you know, are on your fenders, your bumpers. They're angels that bring messages, and that's what Gabriel was to do. And I can imagine the Father God standing before Gabriel and saying, Gabriel, I have a job for you. This job is very important. In fact, everything depends on it. And you can almost feel that Gabriel wouldn't even have to hear any words from God, but just sense God's heart. Okay, that's my mandate. That's my passion to go to this girl. Now, Gabriel was probably a, of some kind of an angel that had a high reputation or a significant rank. He was some kind of a big cheese angel. So God sending his biggest angel, best angel. So here's what Gabriel does. First of all, he finds the earth, okay? Now you might think that's easy, but that's probably not easy for angels. They gotta find the earth, right? And then after he finds the earth, he's gotta find the Middle East. And out of the Middle East, he finds Galilee, right? And then Nazareth. And in Nazareth, this little hovel where Mary and her family lived. And that's the incredible message of this passage. And it's this, God knows where you live. He knows where you live. He knows where you are. He can find you no matter how far you try and run away. Remember Adam and Eve, where are you? What are you guys doing? No matter how far you try and run away from God, he says, I know where you live and I care deeply about you and I love you. Proverbs 15, 3 says, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere keeping watch over the wicked and the good. Mary, I found you. I know where you live. You're the one that I wanted to get this message. You're the one that I delivered Gabriel to talk to you about. You are the one. You matter to me. I know where you live. Now, some of you need to hear that message today. That God knows where you live. Oh, but I've just messed up so many times. God knows who you are. He loves you. He knows your heart. He knows what you need. He cares deeply about you. He desperately wants you to carry his son Jesus in you by his spirit. And he says, I will do whatever it takes to find you because the Mary miracle is all about Christ coming alive in you and Christ growing in you and Christ coming forth from you and Christ changing the world around you. Mary, I know where you live. God's eyes are upon us, and he will not look away. He will not avert his eyes. God loves you, and he knows who you are. There's one final truth here that uh, you'll recognize, and it's so beautiful, and it's this. God's joy comes from within us. When you realize, when you finally realize and embrace the idea of the Mary miracle, that it wasn't just about Mary, that it's about you. When you recognize that Jesus, the God of creation, the God who came to the earth as a man, desires to dwell in your heart by faith, to come alive in you, and to grow in you, 
and to come forth from you into the world and to change the world around. When you realize that and embrace that like Mary did, you can't help but praise God. Listen to what, uh, listen to what Mary said. This is a passage of scripture called Mary's Magnificat. In other words, Mary's song. And this is what she says. Probably this is what she's saying. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And now, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy. And he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. Mary's heart was so full of joy and praise to God. How could she not be? The Holy Spirit is within her. She's going to have the Savior of the world and bring that Savior of the world and give that Savior of the world to the world. You have the same privilege. The Spirit of God comes alive in you by faith. That same spirit grows in you by faith. That same spirit comes forth from you and it touches the lives of the people around you. That's the Mary miracle in each and every one of you. I remember when um, we first, uh, our firstborn son, born in 1972, Arthur Thomas, died shortly after birth. His uh, diaphragm wasn't completely um, uh, complete. And he died. And so as we were talking about having a family and having a baby, well, Sherry and I were both worried about, um, is something genetic, is something going to happen? Back in the early 70s, they didn't really know. So, but Sherry got pregnant again right away, and a year later, she was having, uh, giving birth, and I remember when she gave birth, and Tammy, our daughter, um, cried, you know, this yell in the, in, the, in the delivery room. I just yelled out, praise the Lord, like that. The doctor and all the nurses, who is this weirdo, you know, and you're, well, you know what? <laughs> I couldn't contain that. I didn't make a decision to say that. It just came out of me, right? When you recognize something is so great as having a child born, when you didn't know if you really could have a child that was healthy to be born, when you re- it just comes out of you. And when you realize that the Mary miracle is alive in you, how can you do anything but say, God, thank you, because Christ has come alive in me. And Christ is growing in me, and Christ is coming forth from me, and Christ is changing the world around me. That is something to sing about. My soul praises the Lord, and my spirit rejoices. That should be our song. That should be Grace Community Church's song. The word word, when it says, uh, my spirit rejoices, it means literally, Mary, get your joy up. Come on. Grace Community Church, get your joy up. When you recognize that this Mary miracle is alive in you, get your joy up. This is the most amazing thing you can possibly realize. Now, I love the gifts under the tree. It's wonderful. And I love the great Christmas music, especially, you know, the old school music. You know what I'm talking about. Andy Williams, Perry Como, Frank Sinatra, Bing Crosby. You know what I'm talking about. And I love the Christmas cookies that Sherry makes and the parties that we have. And God forgive me, I love some Hallmark Christmas movies. <laughs> but honey, come on, some, not every one of them. And so I, I love all that stuff. That, that's all good. But let me tell you something. When you realize that the Mary Miracle is in you and it's alive in you, there's nothing that compares. Because Christ has come alive in you. And the very Christ who has come alive in you wants to grow in you. 
and to come forth from you and touch people around you and to literally change the world around you. So let me leave you with this one last word. Have a Merry Christmas, right? Have a Merry Christmas. Bow your heads, please. Father, um, what a joy it is to be here at Grace once again. And Lord, that's really what, um, how you've designed this love language that you have for your creation. It's uh, to grace us, to favor us, to say you matter to me. And you matter to me so much that I'm not just going to tell you from on high that I love you. I'm going to come down to this planet as a man and then I'm going to die for your sins. And then by his spirit, I'm going to dwell in you. And when I dwell in you, I am going to grow in you and I am going to come forth from you and I am going to change the world around you. That's the merry miracle for us, Father. May we embrace that. May we live that. May we love that with all our hearts. And we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. And all of God's people together said, amen. Amen.